In this episode, I'm going to talk about how to use Cornell notes in a world language setting. So let's go. Lots of teachers ask me how they can use Cornell notes in the world language classroom, and it's actually very easy to use Cornell notes in your language classroom, even with beginners, if you're using a communicative approach to teaching, and especially if you're using the daily framework of instruction. So just to review, um, the daily framework of instruction is something that I cobbled together over the years with ideas from all kinds of people, but the main impetus behind my wanting to develop some kind of framework to follow every day was that I had a framework when I was teaching language arts. I had learned it from teacher's college reading and writing project, and I've talked about them a bunch, so I'm not going to tell you too much more, except for that I was always feeling kind of adrift in my language classroom in French and Spanish, whereas in my language arts classroom and my social studies classroom, too, because I had adapted the language arts framework and started using it in social studies because I liked it so well. In my social studies and language arts classes, everything was going great, and I had a structure every day that covered a bunch of various listening, speaking, reading, writing, because we got to do those in language arts and social studies too. You know, kids don't just need comprehensible input and language acquisition in their new languages. They also need to keep on doing it in their first language. In fact, it's a big factor in closing achievement gaps and equity gaps, and especially the problematically persistent race-based achievement gaps that we have plaguing our nation's children because of systematic inequalities and institutionalized racism that we find in our institutions, unfortunately, even now in 2019, almost 2020. So really, every kid needs comprehensible input and rich language and lots of it in all of their classes, not just ours. So I had this framework where students were listening, reading, writing, speaking in language arts and social studies, and it helped me calm down and I always knew where I was going, except for I didn't have that in French or later on Spanish until I developed it myself. So what the daily framework that I developed goes like is this. <clears throat> First, it has seven steps. Step one, you norm the class. You tell them by the end of class, you're going to be able to do this about this thing. Second, you do some kind of reading. If you want to do free choice reading, do free choice reading. If you want to work on part of a whole class novel, why not do that? If you want to read the text that you wrote yesterday with the class during shared writing, like write and discuss, go for it. If you want to bring them an outside text that's related to something that you talked about yesterday and wrote about yesterday and read your text that you wrote yesterday in class yesterday, fine. It's just a time for reading. Then, after that, this is when the Cornell notes would begin. Dun-dun. You could begin them earlier, but I'm not going to talk about that in this podcast. So, the next part of the daily framework of instruction is you have an experience with the class in the language, and I call that guided oral input because, well, let's see. One, they're getting input. Two, it's mostly oral. And three, you're the teacher, so you're guiding them. If you think about this daily framework as like a gradual release of responsibility model, this is like the I do. 
you know, I do, we do, you do. So this is like the I do, like the teacher is guiding the class to have this new experience for about 12 to 16 minutes. So after that, then you're going to review it with some type of scaffolded oral review. Why is it called scaffolded oral review? Well, why? I'm glad you asked. One, it's oral. So it's still oral. Two, it's review. You're just going to like talk about or ask questions about or do something with the language and the ideas that you use during the guided oral input. And three, it's scaffolded. So it's not like you're trying to give the kids a test over what they just learned. You're giving them continuously during the guided oral input and the scaffolded oral review part, you're giving them scaffolds. So you're pointing to things, you're using pictures, you're gesturing, you might even be writing stuff on the board in English or whatever your L1 or your first language or your shared stronger language is. Anyways, after you do the guided oral input and then you review it in the scaffolded oral review, it's time to get that written down. So that's shared writing. So during shared writing, you're basically summarizing in writing and sometimes you're even like adding new things, but you're recapping in writing what you talked about during the guided oral input. Uh, A lot of teachers who are working with the Stepping Stones materials are using this shared writing time to work with these lists that come in the book. These lists of like language functions and possible language that you can put into your shared writing to help students lift up the level of their writing. For instance, during the narration cycle, Um, One of the writing goals is to put in more dialogue and inner thinking. So you might have like a list or a chart that you're keeping and you put on there inner thinking and talking. And so you might have words up there like, he thought, she said, she responded, I am scared, I am happy. So it's just like a place that you would keep all that language. So some teachers are using the um, shared writing time as like, a way to push their kids to not exactly output, not exactly control, and not exactly memorize this language, but they're pushing their kids to interpret and work with and get exposed to higher levels of language and writing ability. Then after that is the shared reading. So during the shared reading, you're going to process the text that you just wrote. Um, Like you might ask questions about it, you might translate it, you might do some reader's theater, all kinds of things. And then there's the student application and assessment. So at the end of class, you do some type of assessment so that students can apply their learning. It could be just like super informal formative assessment where you like ask the whole class questions and they kind of call out the answer together. That's fine. Or you could have it be more of sort of like a formal assessment. So like you have them retell in English as you, so that like they're writing in English and you're retelling uh, the content of the lesson in, in your language and they're writing down the main ideas, all the details they can get, and then maybe even self-evaluating or coding their work with different colored you know, highlighters using a rubric. So it can be as formal or as informal as you want. So basically you got the norming the class, you're telling them what they're gonna do, uh, then you got the reading workshop, then you do the guided input, which is like the heart of the lesson. You generate a new idea, you review it in oral language, and then you write it together, you make a text, then you read that text, and then you have them do something with that language at the end of the day. So 
Cornell notes. They just happen to be like a super good fit for this system, this like daily framework. And here's something that I've always noticed about curriculum. Literally, I love curriculum. I love it. When I was a little girl, I saw that there was like names of people on our books that we had in school, like our textbooks. And I realized there were grown-ups out there whose job it was to learn stuff and teach it to kids. And then I noticed that like highlights for children magazine was so much more fun than the stuff we did at school. But highlights for children was educational too. And then I noticed that the books at school or at the library were like so fascinating to me. But the books and stuff that we'd be reading at school, the textbooks, workbooks, all that stuff, were kind of boring. So even as a little girl, I was like super interested in curriculum. So anyway, something I've noticed studying curriculum is basically once you get to like really high quality curriculum, it all has so much in common. So like Cornell notes are supposedly, I was on the AVID site team at my school for like three or four years teaching social studies and language arts. So I also went to AVID summer institutes, I think like twice. Anyway, I had to give lots of presentations to my colleagues about AVID and stuff like that. So I know all about those wicker strategies. Basically, Cornell notes are supposed to be this really like amazing way to take notes. And they are pretty good. I mean, they do activate like your memory more than just taking regular notes. And they do lead to more processing than just taking regular notes. So I'm actually like all in favor of Cornell notes. But a lot of world language teachers are like, we can't do Cornell notes. I don't know what to do. So here is what I wanted to tell you about curriculum first. I've noticed that when you get up to like the highest levels of curriculum, and you're looking at like super good curriculum, whether it is science, math, language, arts, social studies, world language, whatever, super well-designed curriculum has so much in common that it's almost interchangeable. In fact, me and my friend Lanny, who both use the teacher's college materials and systems, we used to like to play this game. It was like, you know how the principal always has like the new flavor of the year? Like maybe they read teach like your hair's on fire and they want you to teach like your hair's on fire. Or maybe they read teach like a pirate and they want everybody to teach like a pirate. So who knows what they want you to do next year? Maybe it's Cornell Notes. But Lanny and I would kind of play this game. Whatever like weird little flavor of the year came down the pike in uh, August when we went back to in-service, we would be like, does it fit with Lucy's framework? And you know what? It always fit. Because the thing is, like, the flavor of the month that the principal wants you to do is probably, like, in some ways, some pretty good teaching moves. And so if you already have really good teaching moves, it's just so easy to, like, basically do the same thing that you're doing and be like, look, what I'm doing is what you're saying that you want me to do. And you just call it by the name they want to see. And then it's like, woohoo, I'm doing what they wanted me to do. But I didn't really have to tweak my instruction very much because guess what? It was built on a really firm foundation. That's what I want for you guys in Curriculum Club. I want to help you learn how to build your curriculum on a firm foundation. There's this story in this book called The Bible. And it's talking about how if you want to build a house, you probably don't want to build it on the sand because the sand is just going to like wash away. I don't want you to have a curriculum that's built on the sand. I want you to have a curriculum that's built on a rock of good curriculum design. Anyways... Cornell notes. Here's how I would use them. For one, 
I would not really require my students to take their Cornell notes in any particular language. Bill Van Patten of Talkin' L2 with BVP podcast fame, Bill Van Patten says that we are basically not creating like an L2 environment where it's French, 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 and only French. He says that we're creating a bilingual space. So why not let them express their understanding in whatever language they see fit? Your principal is probably not going to care what language your students are taking their notes in. My principal one time literally told me that I would have gotten higher marks on my evaluation if I used more English in class. So put that in your thinking cap and sit in the corner and think about it for a while. Anyways, another little factoid is that I was hanging out with a friend of mine who lives in Hawaii. And if you're listening, you probably know who you are. I was hanging out with my friend and they had just gotten their doctorate in linguistics. So we were talking about this mixing of the L1 and the L2 because, you know, that's what I like to do over my Thai cocktails in Honolulu. No, I'm serious. That's what I was doing. I know. I'm a nerd. Sorry. But who's the nerd? The nerd talking into the phone or the nerd listening to her? Anyway, let's move on, nerds. So I was talking to this friend of mine, and he was saying that there's literally no research that shows that mixing the two languages in the classroom is detrimental to the kids. And he was also saying that there is some research that might suggest that mixing the two languages is actually positive for the kids or beneficial. To stick with the detrimental and beneficial, you know, little rhyme scheme I was building up to. Kind of messed that one up, Tina. So anyways... Once you think that you can let your kids take their notes in L1, L2, English, French, Spanish, Chinese, whatever they want, or that maybe they might be like making some sketches or diagrams or just copying things off the board, that's fine. Then you realize that taking Cornell notes in your classroom is going to be pretty easy because here's the thing. There's this big part of the Cornell notes, right? Am I right? I'm right. So there's this big part of the Cornell notes. That would be used during the guided oral input. During your guided oral input, you're just going to be like, hey kids, you need to take X number of pieces of notes. I kind of like to take the amount of information I think I'm going to convey and like divide it by a prayer and then like multiply it by a wink and then like turn that upside down and add it to a promise. I'm just kidding. I just kind of make it up, actually. I mean, it's not scientific. I think, like, how much information am I going to have? And then I think, how much could, like, sort of the low and slow be able to get? And then maybe I add one or two pieces of notes to that. You know, somebody's got to make a B. Anyways, you just tell them, I'm going to talk to you about the story of Marie Antoinette and how she lost her head, after all. And you're going to take seven pieces of notes. Now, those pieces of notes can be anything. A sketch, a word, a diagram, a chart, a sentence. In upper-level classes, you might give them more specifications for the kind of notes that you want to take, but it really doesn't matter. So then, in the middle of the world language Cornell notes, which are in the packet, they're in pretty much every packet of of, um, graphic organizers that I've ever made. In the world language Cornell notes, there is a space in the middle. The space in the middle is one to give them a place to do some sketching and two 
when we get to the information unit and we start doing expert group pages, you'll see, you'll see, just keep it in the back of your mind. How does the space in the middle of the Cornell notes potentially line up with the expert group pages? So anyway, they take the notes. Then you move on to the scaffolded oral review. Well, basically, during the scaffolded oral review, that's when you can use that little column over on the left-hand side of the Cornell notes. So usually kids are supposed to go back and write questions. Well, you know, you might ask them to write their own questions in an upper-level class. In a lower-level class, you might give them a little question box down at the bottom of that column so they can use those questions. Or you might just literally write the questions in front of them and they copy them down. Then, during your scaffolded oral review, you will look for the answers to those questions. Or you'll just ask the kids, you know, orally, what are the answers to those questions? So then, if they have the answer to the questions, like represented somewhere in their notes, you can have them draw a line from the question to the answer in their notes. Maybe you want to put like three, four questions. You don't want to overkill it. You want these Cornell notes to remain fun. Haha, <laughs> JK, usually, <laughs> you know, taking notes is not usually considered among the most amazingly fun things for your class. But I do have to say, even if you're not in an avid school, using Cornell notes can really calm those little puppies down. Those sweet little angels are going to be sitting there writing like the wind because they're going to have stuff to write, 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 and write some more. So, down at the bottom, there is a space where in normal Cornell notes, you would have the kids summarize what they learned about earlier. However, in most world language classrooms, this is where I would use maybe the very upper levels you might have them summarize, maybe as like a warm-up before the uh, write and discuss, or you might do like as you're doing the write and discuss, you might do with upper levels this strategy called write inside the story. So they're not like copying down what you write, they're writing like you, you write a sentence and then you, you pause and then they write something that could go there in their own words. But for lower level kids, you probably just want them to literally copy down the two or three sentences that you're doing for your write and discuss. And then the last little thing is that goal box. In that goal box would be where if you're using a goal box, a goal box, like a box of words that are your goal that you would have gotten from the list of anchor charts that I was talking about before, like she said, she responded, she thought, she pondered. I'm hungry, I don't fit in, whatever it is that's up on your like anchor chart or like your list of uh, f focus words for the uh, phase, that's where you would have the kids put either the same goal words that you put in your modeled writing that you're writing together, like your write and discuss paper, or you could have them put in more words, like they could pick different words off of the anchor chart or off this list that you gave them. Or if you're teaching heritage kids or a mixed level group, this is where you could have them put words that they looked up on their own that would support them moving up to where they need to go on the writing continuum for the genre that you're working in. Well, after all that, you can go back and do all kinds of things. You can have them do a give one, get one with their partner. You can have them in the little middle part where there's no lines, illustrate the most important thing and draw a line from that to the words inside of their notes that represent what it is that they are drawing. They could go back and find pieces of notes that relate to the sentences that you guys wrote during the um, shared writing and they could write the entire sentence 
wherever they feel like it goes the best inside whatever they wrote for their notes. There's all kinds of things that you can do with those Cornell notes. So I hope this clears up some of the confusion and frustration that some people feel when it comes to using those Cornell notes. Thanks for listening. Hey, guess what? You need to send me a message. So here I am turning out these podcast episodes, but I really want to hear back from you. I want to hear what you have to say, what you think, what you wonder, what you want me to record later, your questions, your reactions, your advice, whatever you want to let me know. And I'll even bribe you. So by the end of the month, whatever month you are in right now, I will pick one person who has sent me a voice message and I'll let them have anything at all that they want from our online school. That's anything you want, like literally anything, anything you want, any one thing that you want, you can have it from our online school. So if you want to go check out all the things that you could pick from, you can go to ci-liftoff.teachable.com. So you can go check it out there. So how do you send me a message? Well, I'm glad you asked. So all you got to do is hit the button that says send me a message, or you can go to anchor.fm slash curriculum club slash message and type in a message or record a message for me there. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, and I really want to hear what your thoughts, your reactions, your questions, and what you want to hear from me later. Thanks a lot, and see you later.